0: You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia.
1: It is good to see you here. Man, I'm excited you're here today. Excited for the folks in the room. Excited for those of you that are joining us online. And I am excited about our speaker today. We have a guest speaker that is uh, uh, just a dear friend of mine. I'm pleased to have Pastor Mo and uh, Tiana Huggins with us today. Uh, Pastor Mo has... God has just placed his hand of anointing on Pastor Mo's life. Um, He pastors Mountain West Church um, and has just done a phenomenal job. Uh, Just a few years ago, went there. They are busting at the seams, adding a third service, looking at trying to figure out how to expand and renovate and all those things. Um, And uh, just as God is just sending more and more people to them. He is a fantastic leader. God brought him into my life about just in the last couple of years and I've gotten to know him a lot better. Um, great leader, great pastor, he's a great friend, and he's a great speaker, and he's going to bless you this morning. Would you give a great Mount Prairie North welcome to Pastor Mo Huggins? Thank you.
0: Love you. Yeah. Well, oh, good morning, i will uh, say Mountain West. I, I feel at home already. Good morning, Mount Perrin So glad to see you guys. So glad to be here. You know why I feel at home? Just give you a little history of the church I pastor. Um, we are like second or third cousins because um, our church started in 1959. People from Hemp Street, Church of God, um, wanted a church in their community, Tucker Smoke Rise area on the east side, and we planted there, and just how God has done some incredible work. It's just really cool. I'm so honored to be here, um, not just here, standing here, but just to be with your pastor. I love Pastor Kirk, and I hope y'all feel the same way. He is one of God's best. Um He is a man of integrity, high capacity and ability, and humility, and it's rare you find all of that in one package, and I honor you. Thank you for letting me be your friend. Uh, Man, my wife is here with me, and one of my friends, Dwayne, is here with me. Let me show you my family, guys. Uh, This is wife, Tiana, and uh, we got three boys. Uh, That's our oldest, Mojay. And then our middle son, Maverick, he keeps us close to the cross. And then Miles is our one-year-old, and he just started walking. And so we are in the throes of it, no longer playing man-to-man. We're playing zone defense, and we are loving it. So, so good. Man, I, I again, I, I want to use the short time that we have here today to encourage your heart about God's design for your life, that he's got a purpose for your life. Um, You may have been oops to mommy and daddy, but you are purpose by design. You were created on purpose to fulfill a purpose, and that purpose is to make a difference in the lives of others. But you don't just get to purpose. There are some things that need to happen along the way. And I want to show you what may not seem like a purpose passage, but uh, Luke 22 verse 31 and 32, that I think will encourage us, give us some insight to what God has to say about us winning the battle for our purpose. Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 31, I think it'll be on the screen. Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, Simon, son, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, this summer, I had the awesome opportunity of speaking at the student camp uh, for Mount North. Okay, they're in the building. Yes. Man. We had a blast. It was a wonderful time, and um, we we had a great time. But one of probably the most embarrassing moments of my life happened during student camp. So let me tell y'all, this is group therapy. Y'all ready? Let's go. So I was getting ready to go for the last night. We we have been building all week during camp and getting ready to drive up for the last night. And I picked out my clothes and my wife said, "You ain't wearing that." And so I changed clothes and would you happen man the spirit of God fell in that room. I'm not saying it's cuz I wore what she told me, but you know, obedience follows the spirit of the Lord. Well, <laughs> Man, presence of God was there. Students were in the altars responding to God. It was such an incredible moment, incredible time. And then I get off the stage feeling so good about what God had done. I get to my wife and she said, babe, uh, by the way, um, you had a tag on your jacket and it was flapping the whole time you was preaching. (laughs) Friends, not only was it flapping, but it was that old navy blue tag, the one that is easily identifiable. And, you know, I was getting excited. The students could tell you I was animated. My arm is going. And all you see is this thing just flapping all in the wind. It was. And in one moment, what was an amazing time turned into I, Listen, I'm brown, but I'm turning red right now just thinking about it. And in one moment, something that was an incredible season turned into one of my most embarrassing times. Isn't that like life, how one text message can change everything? One meeting with a doctor can change everything? One moment has the ability to change everything in your world. This is where we find... The disciple Peter in our particular passage. Now, Peter is one of my favorite characters in Scripture, um, but he's that. It, look, I describe it like this: Peter is the friend that you wait until they finish what they say to decide whether or not you're gonna claim them. Pe- <laughs> Pe- <laughs> Peter is the guy who you might be impressed with with one moment, and you shaking your head like oh, I can't believe they said that. In the next moment, and some of you can't laugh because you the Peter in your family. That's okay. <laughs> There's grace for you here too. But Peter was flawed and called, righteous and ratchet. God had a way of, even in the midst of Peter's issues, God still said, I can use you. And here's why you can have uh, hope today. Good news about Peter is that if God can use somebody like Peter, God can use somebody like you. If God can use somebody who had issues like Peter, no matter where you are, God can use you. He's got purpose for your life. He's got a plan for your life. But Jesus comes to Peter in this moment, and he says, Peter, Simon, Simon, behold. And all that means is he's saying, pay attention. The days ahead are going to be challenging. The days ahead are going to be difficult. I've got a purpose for you. I've got intentions for your life. But in the midst of getting from where you are to where I've designed for you, there is going to be a battle for your purpose. You know, we like to shout and say amen about the Jeremiah 29 and 11. God's got plans for my life, plans to prosper me, plans to give me a hope in the future. Do you know the context of when he's saying that? He's saying no to them asking to be delivered from bondage that there is a journey between where you are now and the purpose that God has for you and it does it, as long as you got breath god has purpose for you whether you're 8 or 80 blind crippled or crazy god has a plan and a purpose for your life but here's what it comes down to If we are going to win the battle for our purpose, if we are going to navigate what God is doing and uh, be in alignment and work with God in what he's trying to do in our lives, if you don't hear anything else today, here's what you need to know. In order to win the battle for your purpose, you've got to learn how to rest in God. You've got to learn how to rest to totally depend on God. Now, when I say rest, I'm not talking about what y'all about to do in about 30 minutes after church. Oh no, you're going to get lunch first. Okay. After that. I'm talking about putting your full dependent total reliance on God and not of yourself. To to lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and let him direct your path. I want to show you four things in this passage about purpose concerning Peter. Jesus is telling Peter what's going to happen in days ahead and four ways that you can rest in God that's going to help you win the battle for your purpose. Here's the first one. You need to rest in God's authority. Here's what the scripture says. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you as wheat. Satan is asking to shake everything up in your life, throw it upside down, have your kids acting up, have your money acting up, having your job, everything. He wants to shake everything in your life. Some of you feel like that today, feel like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. I want to challenge you to rest in God's authority. You know, we've got cute kids. you just seen them. Uh, Thank God they look like the mama. But Sometimes when you have cute kids, weird things happen. And so we were at the grocery store not too long ago, a few months ago, and in the grocery store, this weird lady comes up to my son, opens her purse, and I'm like, do you want some candy? And I said, wait a minute, we don't know you. Creep alert, back up. <laughs> but here, here's what my favorite part was, y'all. My son never responded to the lady. She just, he just looked at me asking whether or not he can respond to who that is. Here's what he was saying. You can offer whatever you want, but only my daddy can give me permission to do something or not. Here's what some of you need to realize. It doesn't matter what the enemy has designed to do. It matters about the one who has the authority over the enemy. And here's what John 10 and 10 says. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but Jesus has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. We spend so much time focusing on our issues and the storms and the problems, and I I just want to challenge you to focus on the one who has authority and ability over the issues, the storms, and your problems. All throughout Scripture, we're reminded about God's ability and his authority. In Jude 1 and 24, it says, God is able to keep you from falling. In James 4 and 12, he is the God who is able to save. In Hebrews 2 and 18, he's the God who is able to help. In Daniel 3 and 29, he is the God who is able to rescue. And my favorite one, Ephesians 3 and 20, he is the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. You could ask or think according to his power at work within you. There is not a mountain that he can't move. There's not a giant that he can't slay. Stop looking at your problem and look to the hills from where cometh your help, your help cometh from God, the maker of heaven and earth. Rest in his authority. Here's what my daddy used to say to me. It's no sense in me and God being up at the same time about the same problem. If he's up, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to rest in the fact that what is outside of my control is under his control. This is what Jehoshaphat does. In 2 Chronicles 20 and 6, he is having a a problem of epic proportion. He does not magnify the issue. Here's what he says in 2 Chronicles 20 and 6 at the end of it. He says, you, God, are mighty and strong. No one can stand against you. It's it's you. The more I focus on him, the less the problems have the ability to cause fear and trepidation in my life. I'm going to rest in his authority. Here's the second thing I want to show you. Not only do we rest in God's authority, but we need to rest in God's protection. Here's what he says to to Peter. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. See, the reality is sometimes God will allow some things to happen in our lives that we wouldn't plan it that way. Sometimes God, uh, one of the perfect pictures of this is Jesus finishes doing miracles and he immediately commands the disciples to go in the boat knowing that there is a storm on the waters in the midst of the boat. Sometimes, friends, God will allow the enemy to to let some things show up in your life that you never would have. You know, The way I write my life, oh, man, I just go from glory to glory to glory. You know, nothing bad ever happens. It's just wonderful. It's not the way the Lord does it for us. In fact, I would say God does not use deeply or God does not use greatly who he doesn't test deeply. In Psalm 105 and 19, Scripture says, until the time came to fulfill Joseph's dream, the Lord tested his character. And here, here's what protection looks like, and you, you, you're you, not going to agree with me. Here's what protection looks like for many of us is God saying no when you want to say yes. It's God saying, I'm not going to let you get into a place where your gifts will take you, but your character can't keep you. God's protection shows up in allowing storms to come in our life to produce In us, what's necessary to go where he's trying to take us. Here's what the book of Hebrews says. No discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. But afterwards, it produces a harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. So no, I don't want the enemy to sift my life, but it's the sifting that begins to develop in me the character necessary to go where God wants to take me. No, I didn't want things to happen this way, but because it did, God produced in me fruit that helps me do what he has called me to do. And I know we don't like that, but can I tell you, you won't get the platform without the process, that you won't get the anointing without the crushing. And his protection in your life does not happen outside of the storms in your life. Sometimes it is in the storm that you get to see God in a way that you've never seen him before. Like, I I didn't know God as a deliverer until I needed some deliverance. I didn't know God as a waymaker until I needed a waymaker. I I didn't know God as a healer until I needed some healing. And sometimes it's the storm that lets you see God in a way that you've never seen him before. You know, when I was in college, not not too long ago, um, you know, the years are starting to add up now. But I was in college, and I was 19 years old, and um, I w- God had said, oh, I'm going to do these things in your life, and, you know, I'm excited about the promise of God, and then everything just started going wrong. I lost a piece of the scholarship that was paying for my room and board, and so I- I'm really upset with the Lord. I-, I forgot the fact that God provided a place for me to stay Um, A house for me to stay in afterwards, but I was just so mad that he allowed me to be embarrassed this way. And you're supposed to provide for my needs, God. And how did this happen? And, uh, you know, I'm a millennial. God forgive me. You know, it's struggle sometimes. Um, Anyway, I get to the new place that I'm living, and they break into my car and steal all of my stuff. And now I've had it with God. I, I set an appointment with them. I said, 9.30 tomorrow night, me and you, we're going to have a talk. <laughs> so I go outside, and because at 19, I figured, Lord, is going to be somewhere near the moon when it's time for us to talk. And so I'm looking up in the sky, and I'm telling God everything, all of why I'm upset, and how could he let this happen, and I am so focused, I don't realize that the biggest dog I've ever seen in my life, this big black dog, was making his way to see what was going on, all this ruckus that was happening. And so I'm looking at the sky. The dog is coming, and it's not until the dog is right on me, and I, I did the only thing I knew how to do. I said, Jesus! And I jumped. I scared myself and the dog. The dog ran away. Here's what I realized in that moment. God's not petting. But if I was God, I would have said, you know, even after all of that, you still call my name. (laughs) But here's the truth, friends. No matter where I find myself, I can call on the name of Jesus. In fact, his name is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are saved. There is no other name that's got power. There's no other name that has authority. There's no name, Acts 4 and 12, given unto heaven that men might be saved other than the name of Jesus. They that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved wherever you find yourself. Even if the enemy has weapons, formed against you, you call on the name of Jesus, it will not prosper. Even when the enemy shows up in your life, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Trust in God's protection over your life. Here's the third thing, friends, not not just resting in God's authority and his protection, but here's where I see believers stunt the work of God in their own life is that we don't learn how to rest in God's grace. (laughs) We have allowed the voice of the enemy to be louder than the voice of God in our lives. Here's what the enemy does. He comes and speaks condemnation over your life. And you create monuments out of moments where God intended for your life to be a movement. You you get stuck in what happened and what you did instead of realizing that God has grace for what you've done. This this is Peter's story, y'all. Literally, right after Jesus says this to him, the next 24 hours and then uh, seven days are in many ways an epic failure for Peter. Not even a few hours after Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says to Peter, will you pray with me for an hour? And Peter says, God, I'm committed. I'll do whatever you want. And he's sleeping on the job. He fails in his commitment. Then later on in Luke chapter 22, this is a few hours after that moment, he is hiding in the back trying to figure out what's going to happen to Jesus. And a a girl comes up to him and says, "Uh, aren't you one of the disciples? says, nope, mm -mm, not me. And then another one comes and says, aren't you one of those disciples? And in his best Kiki Palmer voice, he said, I've never seen this man in my life. I don't know who that is. (laughs) And finally, in John chapter 21 and verse 3, and here, here, if you were looking for country folk, southern folk in the Bible, here's where it is. John 21, verse 3. Peter looked at the other disciples and said, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. Here's what Peter was saying, and this is one of the saddest statements in scripture. You read it on surface level and it doesn't mean that much. Here's what he was saying I'm going back to what I did before I met Jesus. And so many of us, I feel the weight of it in the room, so many of us have allowed what happened in our past to cause us to stop believing God for our future, but hear me by the Spirit of God. The same one who knows your history is writing the rest of your story, and he who has begun a good work in you will accomplish that work until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not done with you yet. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Get back in the game. Get back in the game. You got to believe God has grace for your Life. You know, I got a. um, When I was in Augusta, I uh, had a radio show and I met this guy named Patrick. And Patrick was uh, one of the top lieutenants, a police officer, and he saw some of the most tragic things. And after seeing so many tragic things, he started to, unfortunately, he turned to alcohol and it wrecked his life. He lost his wife, he lost his kids. He lost his car, he lost his career, he almost lost his life. Finally, Patrick goes to rehab and he's sitting there and he meets this guy named Leroy and Leroy is like, Patrick, do you believe in God? Patrick said, no. And Leroy said, the only way you're gonna make it is if you depend on God, rest in God. And Patrick said, I, I don't believe in all that stuff. And Leroy said, well, okay, You've tried everything else. Why don't you try this? Here's what I want you to do. In the morning when you get up, I want you to pray, Leroy's God, would you help keep me sober today? And then when you go to sleep at night, you just say, Leroy's God, thank you for keeping me sober. Fast forward three years, Patrick sees Leroy across the street, and he runs up to him and says, Leroy, you would not imagine, believe it, my life has been transformed, my my children are back, my wife is back, I've got a new career, I've got hope for the future, and they begin to celebrate and have a wonderful time. And right before Patrick leaves, he looks back over to Leroy, over his shoulder, and he says, oh, by the way, Leroy, I don't pray to Leroy's God anymore because Leroy's God has become my God and he has changed my life. Hear me, friends. You have not gone too far that his grace can't reach you. His grace is sufficient. Well, preacher, you don't know what I did. His grace is sufficient, but you weren't that. His grace is sufficient. I don't know who I'm talking to in this room right now, but there are some of you, God is saying, it's time for you to come home. My grace is enough for you. Romans 8 and 1 says, there is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Here's the last piece of it. Here's where you can rest in, friends. You can rest in God's plan. Same God who knew about your failure, anticipated your return, and wrote it in his plan. Here's what he said. He said to Peter, and when you have returned, not if, not maybe. Peter, I know you're going to fail me. I know it's not going to look good for a while. But when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. Here's what the enemy didn't know about Peter. He thought this thing was going to destroy Peter, but it's the very thing that God used to build Peter. He thought this was going to eliminate Peter from the equation. But 50 days later, Peter stood up in front of 3,000. This same Peter who denied Jesus in front of one little girl stood up in front of 3,000 and said, these men are not drunk, but this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Genesis 50 and 20 says it like this. There's Joseph talking to his brothers. He says, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good so that many lives will be saved. You wanna know what your purpose is? You know what God's plan for your life is? It's not about your personal fulfillment. It's about you fulfilling his personal plan for your life. It's making a difference in the lives of others. And I know sometimes you feel like everything has been torn up, been thrown out. But God does some of his best work with broken crayons. You know, I got a chance to go to New York and I'm closing. Got a chance to go to New York. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut and at 35 years old, that's the first time I went to New York City. And I enjoyed it, but I was glad to get back on that plane to come back to Atlanta. No shade if you're watching from New York. God bless you. (laughs) But I was in New York, and I got a chance to go to the September uh, 9-11 Museum. It was so sobering to see the tragedy, the destruction, the pain to hear the stories of families. Do you know what else I saw? I saw resilience. I saw strength. I saw people. Laying it all on the line. But the best part, y'all, was that in the museum, they've got towers and foundations from the towers that were destroyed that have been engrafted in the new towers, holding up what was built new. Don't miss this. What was intended to be destroyed by the enemies is now engrafted, helping to hold up what is new. And I know it feels like everything in your life has been burned up and it feels like, no, God can't use this, but God has a way of taking the ashes of your life and making beauty out of it and there's nothing that God can't use for his glory. He will take it and mold it as clay and he will change it for his glory and for your good. Here's one of my life verses. It's, Psalm 138 and 8, I'd encourage you to write this down. When you get discouraged, when you're unsure what's going to happen, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. Preacher, I don't know. Well, I want to start this business, but I don't know about the funding. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. Preacher, you don't know what's happening in my marriage. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. I want to throw in the towel, preacher. The Lord will work out his plans for my life, for his faithful love endures forever. Friends, don't depend on your own strength. Rest in God's power to accomplish his purpose and his plan for your life. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that you chose us even before we knew about you. God, I pray it in this moment. Would you soften our hearts to remember we don't need more human effort. We just need divine intervention. We need to rest in you, God. God, I pray that you would push away the fear and help us to rely on your strength and your ability. God, would you help us to trust you in the midst of the storm? God, I pray in this moment that your grace would come alive in the hearts of your people, that we would walk in the freedom that Christ offers And ultimately, God, I pray that we would rest in your plan for your life, for our life, the plan that is good and pleasing and perfect, Romans 12 and 2. God, I, I pray for the person that needs to receive your ultimate plan for humanity, that we would receive salvation in Jesus Christ. I pray today would be their day. And if that's you, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. Make me into the person that you want me to be. Forgive me of my sins. I rest in your salvation today. And Father, I just pray a blessing over your people. I pray that their ladder shall be greater, that their best days are ahead of them, that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that they don't have room to receive, God. That, Lord Jesus, you would blow their minds, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither had it entered into the heart of man what you intend to do for your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys and thank you.
1: Hey, would you show your appreciation to Pastor Mo for the bringing the word today? And will you agree with me to partner in prayer, pray for Pastor Mo and their church as they are figuring out what plans God wants them to do, how to expand, how to reach more people, what areas, because God has his hand and his anointing on them and just ask God to just open up his mind with godly wisdom and godly favor with both God God and man. Would you agree to do that with me? Amen. Let's do that. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. Listen, next week we're going to begin a brand new series on the book of Ruth, Finding God in the Ordinary, and I hope you'll be a part of that. We'll be in the book of Ruth for the entire month of October. I'm looking forward to that. Numbers chapter 6 lays out a blessing that is a priestly pastoral blessing. It says when you speak this, you put the name of God on people, and so I want to do that today as you leave. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. Love you. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about NORTH, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.